This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. G'day, welcome aboard the Starship Zero G, science fiction, fantasy and historical radio and I am Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. And today's episode is 1220, Unbreakable Split Glass. <laughs> Our podcast title is Captain Chris Podfer Pike and thanks to the Hit Like a Girl Kick team. Like a girl. Kick Like a Girl team. I don't know, in, in the genre world they do all sorts of things and good on them too. <laughs> Now, uh, what are we going to look at today? Glass? Yes. Yes. The latest offering from M. Night. Is it is it half full or half empty? You tell me. Or just busted. I'm actually intrigued <laughs> to hear the, the lowdown on this because I heard that Split was actually above expectations. It was actually. Yes, it was, I thought. I didn't have many expectations at all, so it had to be above Well, them. I guess that's half of it, isn't it? <laughs> Okay, we'll also uh, venture where plenty of people have been before. Star Trek Discovery Season 2 has just d- dropped out of subspace on Netflix. And also so has uh, The Punisher Season 2, one of the surviving Netflix Marvel shows. Hmm. For with, now. For now, <laughs> along with Jessica Jones, which yes. has a third season. I'm betting that The Punisher won't get a third season on Netflix. I'd think not. And I think they might even kibosh Jessica after this season. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because so. they're just all, all change, please. Yes. And we'll have a look at the uh, Spider-Man Far From Home trailer. Woo! Yeah. And also, uh, well, that's probably about enough for today's show, isn't it? It's yeah. a decent... Decent uh, amount, yeah. Um, I have uh, re-watched... All of the, uh, what do we call this? It does have an, a, a meta title. Oh, yeah. The East Rail 177 trilogy, named after the train that um, Bruce Willis, was, his character, was on in the first Unbreakable movie. Is that what it's known as? Yes. Oh, mm. how catchy. Just rolls off the tongue. Well, it's easy to catch those trains. <laughs> they just roll out of the station. God. Of course, that one ended in disaster. Yes. And it I think has a it has a, a, a sort of a, a flow on a flow on effect throughout these films. I reckon you're right to spoil that and split, but, mm-hmm. and maybe not glass though. No, what I, do won't, you think? I won't spoil I won't spoil glass, but Unbreakable, <laughs> sure. I mean, you yeah. know, it's been a while. Two thousand decades, decades, <laughs> and two thousand and sixteen split came out. Although I must admit, I only caught up with that on the weekend. Oh, so that was the first time yeah. that you'd watched it. Okay. Mm. So I watched all three of them in short, prox- close proximity to each other. A lot of M Night. It was. It was. Now uh, we've got assorted tracks today, and I thought we would um, play just to get us into the kind of the mood, um, and also to play our David Bowie track today. Woo-hoo. Because we're going to talk about Glass and a little bit about Spider-Man, we can actually combine the two today in Glass Spider with David Bowie from the Never Let Me Down album. Hi, I'm George Takei, and I play Admiral Sulu in Star Trek. Welcome aboard the Starship Zero-G. Admiral? Hey, a guy can dream, can't he? (laughs) Spidering away there with the glass. Actually, David Bowie. 
Love those little wiggly tracks of his. Yeah. Just... Yes, it's... um. Oh, my gosh, we're up to the uh, anniversary of his, uh, mm. his death, which also sort of coincides with the... Um, his birthday as well, last week anyway. Okay, now on to a glass. Yes, I'm so keen to hear your thoughts. Directed and written by Manoj Neliatu M. Night Shyamalan. What's your, before we crack into it? Yeah, before we break the glass. Pun, <laughs> pun intended. Uh, what's your history with him? What's your general vibe on M. Night? What do you think? Look, I've really enjoyed. I've really enjoyed some of his movies, mm-hmm. um, more than others. Uh, sometimes, look, he's got that signature twist that he likes yes. to have. Some of those have worked very well. Um, basically, the original one. Yeah, sixth. Sixth, sixth sense. sense. Yeah. Although I got that. I got the twist within five minutes of starting watching the movie. Did you? I did. People always say that, and I'm like, no, you didn't. No, this is me. Okay. And I actually spoiled it too. Oh, really? I just went, I just looked at it, watching it for five minutes, and I went, oh, he, he yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's it. That's I mean, it. I mean, we do say often that if films have been out for a long time, we spoil them. But I reckon there's people out there who haven't watched Sixth Sense, and I think let's not spoil it, because yeah. that is a great twist. Yeah, that actually worked. Um. Well thought out, made sense. Some of his other twists, not so. Well, let me have a look at some of the other movies. Just uh, Signs, I actually thought was a good film. I enjoyed Signs until they showed the alien. Until they showed the alien, And I yeah. think that's a fairly common um, <laughs> opinion on that one. And I guess it just goes, uh, harks back to sometimes the unseen is, is more scary, more effective. I know I'm out here on my own with this one, but I liked The Village. I actually think that it did not get a fair trot. I think there's a lot that's done well in the village. Mm. I think it's maybe a couple of pancakes too tall in terms of what he tried to pop into that stack. But I also think that that there was some stuff he did well and the mood was certainly um, quite – it had a really authentic mood. So That's that's got – uh, Joaquin Phoenix in it, hasn't yeah, it? That's yeah, it's got good good actors in there too. So, and I actually thought the twist in that one worked for me because it, it played upon classic Twilight Zone outer limits tropes. Yeah, and I think um, I saw that when I was a teenager, and I think I was just in the mood where we just like to make fun of stuff, regardless of what we actually thought. So I went to see that with a group of friends, and we thought the twist was stupid, but <laughs> I think that was more where I was at. <laughs> Lady in the Water. Look, I actually haven't seen that one. No, me neither. But that was also because it wasn't that well. Promoted it to me, uh, and the happening. Now I that's hate, an interesting one. I hate the happening. Yeah, I with a visceral passion. I, I mean, I think Mark Wahlberg and Zoe Deschanel don't even want to be there. <laughs> um, the, it just offended me. It offended my eyes. <laughs> the dialogue, actually, my ears were bleeding on that one. The dialogue is terrible for a movie that that really required some class in it. It did, and they could not pull off some of the lines they had to say, and mm. albeit they were stupid lines. Uh, but I actually thought that um, the premise I liked, the environmental, I th- the echo, echo-tastrophe... Uh, premise I kind of liked and like I think that, that deserved more. Triffidsy thing. And yeah. I also think that's part of what's disappointing is that there were some ideas that if they'd been better executed uh, could have had some resonance. But I just, that was just such a misstep for me. And The Last Airbender. Yucky. Oh. oh, that was, did he ruin that? Yeah, he did actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, After Earth, 
Uh, again, I hadn't seen that one. That's the Will Smith vehicle, yeah, I think. Yeah, I must, I must watch that. I didn't realise that was his. No, mm. I'm not that interested in it, really. So, you know, this kind of yes, no... And he does, I mean, he does do some interesting stuff. He's tackled a few different topics, even though he does always fall back to that old twist um, layout. But As I said, I rewatched um, uh, the other two films, mm-hmm. um, Unbreakable and Split, and I think they're both very worthy films. Mm. I think they're amongst his best. Um, that's an interesting thing. Unbreakable came out in 2000. Yep. Uh, from Touchstone Pictures, which is Walt Disney. And 2016, Split came out with Universal. Mm-hmm. So, and we do know, now we know in retrospect that Split is a sequel to Unbreakable, uh, featuring a character that was supposed to have been in Unbreakable, but oh. but uh, the writer-director decided that it would unbalance the script. That's interesting. So rolled over and put him in another movie. And, of course, now in 2019, Glass is a universal <laughs> Disney Buena Vista, which is one of their arms, mm-hmm. movies. So they've, they've gone to, right. gotten together to produce all of this. That's a lot of chefs in the kitchen, though. It, it is, but it doesn't really hurt the movie, that aspect of it. Quite. I actually just sit there and wonder and think, well, this is a complicated deal. Yeah. And, and in fact, like, it's Universal's got the domestic distribution rights in America and, and Disney Buena Vista does it overseas. And I guess it's who really had the creative rights, like who had their – was it the, at the top seat in the table in yeah. terms of the creative decision stuff? Yeah, it's it's hard to say really, but the budget for the film was like 20 million US. I was surprised by that, but then I wasn't. Yeah. I, I guess it's a different kind of superhero film, mm. right? So plays more like uh, Chronicle. Yeah, right. That yeah, was a great one. That was a good film. Um, and then Fantastic Four, which was not – <laughs> after that, um, and this is uh, this film, we we found out that there was a that it was at least a uh, a double film. We've, we've split at the end of that, which sort of you know we realise that it's um, um, the, the same universe, and so they've the, he's capitalised upon that for this one. Mm. It's mm. set three weeks after the end of Split. Okay, that's quick. Um, they don't muck around with any of that um, because they figure you're up to speed on it. So it's very much assumed knowledge stuff. Mm. And actually, when you think about it, here's another thing that streaming does because I watched Split on Netflix on the weekend. And now if you don't have one of these films in your library, there's nothing stopping you if you've got a streaming service just going mm. and grabbing yeah. it if it's, if it's there. To fill up those gaps. Yeah, but I couldn't find Unbreakable. Oh yeah, on that the could, streamers that was that was old sometimes enough. Sometimes those old films that they're in a bit of a pocket and they're harder to yeah, find. Yeah, it's not old enough to. Yeah, they're not kind of yeah. But I just rented that, you know. So there's plenty of avenues now to kind of find the, the stuff you need. Okay, so they get straight going straight out of the gate with the substantially indestructible and very very strong. David Dunn, Bruce mm-hmm. Willis's character, fighting the substantially indestructible and very, very strong beast identity of the multi-personality Gestalt, okay. known as the Horde, which all inhabit the body of poor Kevin Wendell Crumb. Is that James McAvoy? Yes, okay. James McAvoy. Um, this big fight that they have lands them both in a wee bit of strife with the law, mm-hmm. and it sees them quickly incarcerated in a psychiatric facility. The inevitable, ubiquitous dungeon mm-hmm. of the mind, where Elijah Price, Mister Glass, is also locked up, and that's really all I'm going to tell you about the the plot. Okay. Really, 
Um, the cast, again, Bruce Willis, Samuel L. Jackson and Spencer's Treat Clark and Charlene Woodard uh, reprising their Unbreakable roles. Great. And um, from Split, we have James McAvoy and Anya Taylor-Joy returning. And also M. Night gets his own cameo again. And this is a security guard. <laughs> I think it's a pretty big feat to get all those guys from The Unbreakable to reprise their roles here. Mm. Yeah, well, it's 19 years on, 19 physical years on. So some of them have grown up. Yeah, yeah. Um, James McAvoy is playing Kevin Wendell Crumb or The the Horde with its 24 personalities. Um, he was a, The character was a, a Philadelphia Zoo employee and his body chemistry changes with each personality, so he gets this... He gets buff for buff, some characters. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And puts on a a, a, a sweater and... Um, <laughs> oh, he has like a nerdy persona, doesn't he? Well, actually, that's Patricia, the, oh, the, okay. the lady that he plays. It's actually quite quite neat. Look, it isn't. This is like one of those actors challenge yeah. challenges roles, and in this one, he dials through the personalities even quicker okay. than before, which is a little bit detrimental. But then, this is not entirely his film. Yeah, he has to be part of a, of a, a trio, a, a triumvirate. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. I think he does it really well. Um, he owns that role. And I also find it quite ironic that he is playing a character who's called the Beast, given that he is Professor Xavier in the X Men movies, and now, you know, the Beast mm. is Hank McCoy. So, and he even moves a bit like Hank. Oh, really? Times. Yeah. Uh, oh, look, I, I think he's just wonderful. Yeah. He really knows how to do this role. It's creepy. It's unsettling. Mm. Not perhaps as unsettlingly creepy as in Split, where it's all his sort of, yeah. you know, horror. Um, Bruce Willis plays David Dunn, also now known as the Overseer. He has a superhero name. Okay. And have some fun with that. Uh, he's still a security guard, though no longer working at the um, at the uh, sports stadium. Uh, he's got superhuman strength and also uh, that little flashback ability, or not flashback, sort of a, an ESP sense that allows him to see um, crimes. That's right, yeah. Yeah. He has to... Um, touch a person though to see that so just like phoebe and charmed yeah or there's people in star trek who've done that too uh we've got um and i think bruce willis again he owns Mm. this role um and he knows when to step back in it okay too which i think is quite the mark of an experienced actor yeah um Gosh, when did I first see him? Uh, Moonlighting, I think, in the television series with uh, Sybil Shepherd. Oh, so long ago. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't bring in my Moonlighting album for him to sing on. Uh, (laughs) So, and Samuel L. Jackson and Bruce Willis worked together before in uh, Pulp Fiction and Loaded Weapon (laughs) 1, which is kind of a send-up sort of thing, and Die Hard with a Vengeance. I owe great apologies to my partner, Abigail, who maintained against all of my scoffing that uh, um, Jackson and Willis had worked together in that film. Oh, really? It was me who was getting it mixed up with Lethal Weapon. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. There's just some similarities. There was a bomb plot in um, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yeah. And there's one in Loaded Lethal Weapon. Okay, So it's just blowing my mind up there (laughs) but yeah i was so totally wrong you know there's the lesson in that Uh, always treat people with respect but always go to um google (laughs) ask ask google yeah before you get uppity like i do sometimes (laughs) anyway uh we've got um 
And I, I should also know, mention that I saw a new Samuel L. Jackson action figure on the weekend. Oh. Hasbro's Marvel Legends um, have got him as a young 1990s version of Nick Fury. Is that prepping for yeah. Captain Marvel? Yeah. Nice. I like that. And it even has the cat, Captain Marvel's cat. Oh, cool. Wearing handcuffs. Oh. <laughs> And, yes, they've started appearing in local shops. Anyway, Excellent. moving on, I think Samuel L. Jackson, again, he owns that role. Uh, he spends this film pretty much wheelchair-bound. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just uh, – he plays the arch-villain so well in okay. this movie. Sarah Paulson um, – uh, well, there are a, a number of other char- uh, actors who are playing – various characters supporting. Sarah Paulson is Dr. Ellie Staple, a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she's actually been with um, Samuel L. Jackson in the noir film, the superhero noir film, The Spirit. He was the villain in that too. I forgot about that movie. Yeah. Was that good? No. Yeah. But it has its its moments, including a belly dancing assassin. You know, it's got to be worth it for that. Uh, And uh, Scarlett Johansson's in that one too. Hmm. Uh, She's also been in Serenity uh, major parts in American Horror Story. Yeah, she's one of their recurring uh, actors. In fact, she's like three major parts in uh, American Horror oh, Story. Oh, she's many. Multiple. Do, do we count the, the twins, the, the co-joined twins as two? Well, I was oh. to count that as two characters. Yeah. Uh, and um, she's also was in um, Bird Box. Yeah. Mm, so, been everywhere. She's prolific. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy reprises her role as Casey Cook, and she's the, um, the oh, teenager yeah. who survives from Split. That's probably a spoiler, but never mind. Uh, you've had time. <laughs> you've had a bit of time. She was in a really great film called Thoroughbreds that came out last year. Was she really? Yeah. Okay. So I haven't really seen – because I haven't seen Split. Um, highly recommend that movie, Thoroughbreds. And she'll be appearing as Magic in the um, X-Men sort of spin-off The New Mutants. Oh, nice. As well. So She does have a very, like, striking look. Yeah. I think, um, yeah. Now, Spencer Tree Clark plays um, David Dunn's son. I remember him from Unbreakable, mm-hmm. and I first saw that actor playing um, Marcus Aurelius's grandson in Gladiator. Oh. He's the one that Wacom Phoenix, whose name keeps popping up today, uh, is sort of um, using as a, as a political hostage. Okay. Uh, and um, Charlene Woodard plays Mrs. Price, Elijah's mother, in this one. And they're actually very important characters in the story. So, and again, they all work extremely well. In, in a way, this is like a Deadpool movie. Lots of good characters and supporting cast mm. and doing strange little superhero um, segments along the way. It's an odd little ask, isn't it? Like yeah. this smudging of stories, all these different... I mean, there's some big names here. Well, let's have a track here. And I thought the track that we would play would be Bruce Willis singing crazy mixed up world from his album and this is ironic from his album if i don't kill you it just makes you stronger uh, i am jim michael stritsky creator of babylon 5 and you're listening to zero g on three triple rfm who are you and what do you want mr willis there brucey boy doing Ah, oh, one of those songs. Crazy mixed up world from his album, If It... Sorry, what did I say? If I Don't Kill You. If It Don't Kill You, it just makes you stronger. <laughs> I think you said that and then I changed it to you. <laughs> Was it called If I Don't Kill You? Either way, it would make sense of Bruce Willis, I don't Bruce know, have you watching too much violent, uh, violent I have, fizz? I have way too much. Uh, unbreakable, split and glass all in one weekend. Did you watch them? You didn't watch them back to back, though. Um... No, 
because I had to go to the cinema to see. Oh, yeah, right. Class. But you watched them in one day? No. Okay. Well, uh, unbreakable one night, um, split in the morning, and then um, uh, glass in the afternoon. Because that is a lot of... <laughs> it was... It was and, 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 and an episode of Punisher to finish the night off. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but I did watch The Good Place. Oh, yes. <laughs> as, a, as like a... As a mood bright. As a sorbet. Nice. A palate cleansing uh, episode. Bing. Anyway, okay. We've got... Uh, we're still talking about Glass here. Uh-huh. The third in the uh, M. Night Shyamalan trilogy of East Rail 177. Name of the train that Bruce, Bruce Willis's character was on in... Um, Unbreakable. Name for a trilogy. <laughs> yeah, no, it actually makes sense. It really does actually make sense in this. Um, okay, so we're talking about actors just before we played that track with um, Bruce Willis, mm-hmm. and this is a very tropic film. Mm-hmm. A lot of tropes in this one that they're working. Uh, superhero tropes. It yeah. embraces those superhero tropes and hugs them until their ribs snap. <laughs> Supervillains and superheroes and puny humans. Um, people with powers, but not, as they're careful to point out, to extreme extremes. Okay. They're trying to keep it within some realm of human plausibility. Okay. And I kind of, you know, yeah, may, yeah, no, maybe, but yeah, all right, we'll go with that. that but it does. They, they are trying very much with that. Lots and lots of procedural tropes as mm. well. And they are he, the, the director and the writer, he is actually mining them quite successfully, I thought, okay. for the most part. And he knows his stuff. Is it enjoyable? <sighs> uh, look, I'm, I'm a procedural wonk in genre terms. If you have good procedural, I will enjoy it. Mm. Um, yes and no, because there's some nasty stuff that happens. Uh, but I'll get. I'll, I'll work back round to that. Um, th- one of the tropes in this is uh, one that you could have in any movie. It's um, abuse. Mm, okay. Um, in the case of um, well, everyone really in the cast. Uh, uh, Casey, the survivor from Split. Um, um, Kevin Crumb himself. Mm. Uh, Mr. Glass, in a certain to a, in, to a certain extent, and of course we all know that that features quite heavily in the movie Split. Um, there's a, a trope in there about uh, being passive and being mm. aggressive and so on. Everybody in this psychiatric facility is an abuser too. Really, it's mm. you know it's doing research and stuff that things that look a bit dodgy. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, there's always something going on in oh, this yeah. genre facilities um the relationships between fathers and sons um between david and joseph mm-hmm. uh mothers and sons mrs price and elijah mrs crumb and kevin okay uh, and the very very odd relationship between several of the horde personalities and casey the mm-hmm. survivor um and I'm uncomfortable with their approach to illness yeah okay in this as I had been with the other films um Really, it really makes me feel a bit queasy. Mr. Glass, he's a, a wheelchair villain. Mm. You know? uh, he's suffering from type 1 osteogenesis imperfecta. His bones are like glass. They're very okay. brittle. And yet he ends up being the villain in the wheelchair. Mm. You know, And Kevin with his... Um, uh, his uh, multiple personality disorder. Okay. Um, and I know that these tropes... Are 
unpleasant and they hurt people who yeah. have anything like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, the split personality psycho is in the room, sort of. It's it's very one note, isn't it? Like to the point of being, I yeah, think it, a bit. Yeah, we're better than that now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I see what you're saying. And this is where they went with it, so, you know, we're stuck with that watching it in the film. I guess it's like there's a lot of old films that use different tropes to make a point, and these days you just wouldn't do that. I can't think of any examples, but it's just where they're trotting out, like, a legitimate condition and just doing a very caricature version of it to serve a story. Yeah. Well, that is a, that is a, um, a basic comic book uh, um, trope itself to mm. caricature to the extent of, of ludicrousness and also um, distastefulness in actually and, and Casey with her, her Stockholm Stockholm mm. syndrome where she's like uh, attached to her yeah to her captor yeah okay yep, yeah that's, that, I feel a bit odd about that maybe I'm supposed to maybe I'm supposed to be uncomfortable about it too I'll give him that it just sound fun i mean i know it's not meant to be fun but it doesn't no, sound fun not. or good but they do unpack it okay you know i'll also give them that they they get into that quite a bit in this one as they did in split too uh i'll leave it at that you know okay. this has made me feel uneasy um the superhero tropes they do a lot of procedural good in, mm. in examining that um like like uh, like chronicle okay um, the the idea that a superhero needs strategic support, mm-hmm. um, that they function either at the either with the permission, the tacit permission of society, as in, in the Batman's case, mm-hmm. uh, or not, as in just about every other superhero, mm. you know, Deadpool and uh, Daredevil, and you know sometimes they they get they get lucky and the community embraces them like as well, like Superman, like Superman, yeah. Uh, the hospital itself, um, <laughs> such a, a creepy environment without resorting to the cliche of flaking paint on the wall. and There aren't any flickering light bulbs or...? Not... Actually, there are, but there's a plot reason for that. Okay, all right. <laughs> Uh, funny you should mention that. They're, they're, it's still crap as far as security is concerned. They're oh, always uh, crap there. Even though, yeah, there's some... Uh... <laughs> they they lean into uh, into... Using um, technology instead of guards. Okay. Lots of cameras and CCTV footage, mm-hmm. which is well mm-hmm. used actually. Cinema Verite, sort of, you are there. Point I guess it's good if it's incorporated well. Yeah, it is actually. Okay. Point of view fight scenes. Um, point work- of view fight scenes. Yeah, you know. Um, Okay, just for example, uh, and uh, Bruce Willis is fighting with the Beast, mm-hmm. and um, your the camera is. Uh, looking at Bruce's face, right, is locked to his face. Oh, sort of I see. So you know they're like dancing around, and you're the other. It's a very effective yeah, um, okay. way of doing it. So it's, but it's not like from his perspective. It's from uh, the. Uh, occasionally, it is. Yeah, if you think about it, it's from the beast perspective. Yeah, sure. The other way around. Um, to little things like um, in the beast cell, there are twenty-four toothbrushes. Mm. Yeah, okay. which I'm assuming he's going to make twenty-four shanks at. <laughs> 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 like that sort of thing. Uh, well, let's let's because this is all all singing and all dancing cast in this case. Not that they do it in the f- actually. The Beast has a one uh, one of the Horde's personas does like to dance. Okay, <laughs> and uh, we're going to have um, Samuel L. Jackson <laughs> from uh, and this is from the the Hitman's uh, Bodyguard, which you liked, I think. When you, did you see that one? I don't think so. Uh, oh, you saw the other one, the Ryan Reynolds one. Ryan Reynolds. Oh, I'm thinking of another film in time. Anyway, 
<laughs> Look it up before I speak. All right. <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson, Hitman's Bodyguard, Nobody Gets Out Alive. This is Neil Gaiman in the dangerous alphabet zero, G comes last, Z waits alone and it's not for a thing. Hmm. Well, he did get out of the life of that, um, Mr. Samuel L. Jackson from the Hitman's Bodyguard. Talking about Glass here on Zero G. Yes. The movie, the third part of the unexpected trilogy <laughs> that M. Night Shyamalan has thrown at Over us. 20 Over 20 span. years span. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, another thing they've done is uh, reprise some of the music from the other um, ah. movies. James Newton Howard did the original Unbreakable score. Interesting. And West Dillon Thordston has put this um, one together for uh, Glass. And it's actually quite a a good and powerful score. And I thought I'd um, play another track here, which is called Physics, um, spelt F-P-H-Y-S-I-C-K-S, West Dylan Thordson from Glass. Just a short track here. Hello, me little lovelies. This is your old fat auntie Jack on Radio Free Triple R. You're listening to Zero G, and if you don't listen to it closely, I'm going to jump through your speakers and rip your bloody arms off. And I will too. Fizz 6, West Dylan Thordson from the Glass original soundtrack. Don't listen to that before bed. No. <laughs> now, we're talking about the film Glass, and just want to wrap up by saying that um, a comic book store does get to feature in this, mm-hmm. but the Big Bang Theory crew are not going through there at the time Good. of the film. <laughs> Uh, I think they missed a chance with one scene where some women could make a stand. Mm. Um, and I don't mean a toothbrush stand, but uh, a stand against um, one of the characters. But then again, I thought maybe that would be too Buffy for, for what it is, actually. And I, I just, Buffy kept running through my mind in one of these scenes. And, and that question in Buffy, why doesn't the government take an interest in Sunnydale? Well, of course they did in yeah, uh, one of the seasons. That's right. And they did have an episode as well that was like a... Buffy's actually in a mental hospital, thinks she's a slayer. Yeah, kind of. yeah. so there's some tropes there that I thought work quite well. Um, having re-examined this, uh, they also go into um, how bad could it be to have super beings on the planet? Mm. Um, and as we found in Chronicle and other films, um, pretty bad actually. Yeah, well, because humans can't be trusted with powers. <laughs> no, um, but it could also be good, as we explore in the Marvel movies and to some extent the DC movies. And you would also, I mean, it depends on who has them and we can't control that, can we? No, but as they've said in many a superhero movie, the moment you have superheroes, a supervillain rises to yeah. oppose them. And that's an interesting theme that they do explore in this film. You know what? I, I started out thinking, oh, I don't know if this actually works as well as it should, Glass. Mm. By the time I've worked through it and broken it down, <laughs> I've realised that I did enjoy it enough to actually put some thought into thinking about it and that uh, it was a better film than I than I realised at the time. So I'm actually giving it a, a yeah rating. It does um, tie the trilogy, the unexpected trilogy off quite well. And you need to see those other films. Yeah, yeah, it won't make much sense. I give, I give um, the director a lot of credit for just jumping straight into this mm. film at the start. 
Um, I felt very much like I was working on the momentum from the other films. It is a ballsy move um, to put something out that's so heavily dependent on prior knowledge. Yeah. But he does spend a lot of time unpacking the meta themes verbally in the movie, uh, as well as it having a fair bit of action. And I like the fact, you know, how he does have a twist in this, and it's not a bad twist, actually, um, in the way it's executed and and the way it works out. And I also thought that... um, some of the twists in here are also ones where he twists the tropes a little. Okay. And that works well, too. If it's cleverly done. I thought so. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to watch it. It's a pretty harrowing ride for, for um, the split movie especially, mm. I thought. That was a, it's a very high-tension movie. It's as well. Yeah, and it riffs, it's, it's kind of weird the way that these um, capture the zeitgeist of the movie times, like Split. Mm. Split really goes into that, that sort of hostile sore mode. Uh, and this one, of course, now is full superhero, and now we're in... Which is in the... We're in yeah. that um, kind of yeah, age of that. Yes, not the age of Ultron, but the age of capes. Yeah, cinema-wise. Hmm. So we'll, um, we'll close this up. I'm going to give it a yeah rating okay. for us. Uh, and not a, not a hell yeah rating, but... Just a yeah, I'm thinking, hmm, there's more to this than I thought. I guess if you've seen the other movies and... Yeah, it did it really help watching all three of them. Did my head in too. Hmm. Um, now, uh, we've got everybody singing from the cast just about. We're going to have James McAvoy here. Woohoo! Singing in um, the soundtrack of a movie from 2002 called Bollywood Queen. It's, it, it's one of those um, rom-com romances that's set in London, but there's Bollywood sort of stuff he going on. so much diverse weird stuff. Yeah. Not weird, but like just his choices are erratic. Mm. Hi there, I'm Jen Saska. And I'm Sylvia Saska. And, and we're, we're the, the Twisted Twins. Twins. And you're listening to Zero G on 3 Triple RFM. Did you love it? It's like good for you too. Heck yeah. James McAvoy singing in Bollywood Queen from 2002. All had a go today. Sam Jackson and Bruce Willis and then James McAvoy there. <laughs> There's got to be a super... Oh, there is a superhero musical. It's um, Joss Whedon's uh, Dr. Horrible sing-along vlog. That is so good. Mm. If you haven't watched that, go and watch it now. Yes. And glass. There we go. Put the glass down. Because that's how it actually went. Really dug into that more than anticipated. Yeah, I didn't think so. There was a lot to talk about. All right, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. Its trailer has dropped. Trailer has dropped. And now we know a little more detail now about what this uh, film is going to involve. And it doesn't give us too many hints. I mean, obviously people are passing through it now to find out, you know, any Avengers spoilers and what they... It doesn't... It just appears normal. If you had no idea about... The Avengers stuff. I'm to realize I'm talking really loudly. Um, if you had no idea about the other Avengers stuff, you'd be forgiven for thinking that this was just a nice follow-on from Homecoming. Mm. But this does take place after the events of Avengers: Infinity War and Avengers: Endgame. Really? Yes. How? It's meant to. How? This is this is what is has been uh, documented. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, unless. It somehow takes place before, but I think oh, of in course. The no, I just, I just, I just processed it and I thought, oh yeah, because you know we yeah. know we know there's certain things going to happen. There'll be something. Yeah, it's not going to. Yeah, so we always this has always been announced. We kind of knew there'd be another Spider-Man film. Um, so yes, yeah, so we see a bit more of Spidey now in this one. It's called Far From Home. So he does go outside of the USA, heads to Europe, 
And that's kind of the premise is the old typical, uh, I'm just going to have a normal holiday with my friends. Uh, that never works in, in, in any um, uh, holiday movie in any franchise. Which, good luck. Now, I don't actually want to ruin too much about it because you haven't actually watched the trailer oh, No, I've yet. watched it, actually. Oh, you have? I just haven't watched, re-watched it. That's right, right, right. So, yeah, I think um, what we see here is obviously a bit more, it's very focused on Tom Holland's Peter Parker for a large portion of it, but obviously he cannot put away the suit because um, Nick Fury appears in the trailer. Of course he does. And says... Oi, we need you to... You're an Avenger now. ...help save the world. And then we get our very first look at Jake Gyllenhaal as, am I going to say it wrong, Mysterio? No, that's right. Mysterio. Mysterio. Yeah. So um, I don't know much about Mysterio, but I've looked up some back back knowledge, but I won't ruin, I guess. But we see our first look at him. He's wearing a very Thor-esque... Get up. In fact, when I saw him without his signature helmet uh, in that get up, I actually thought he was another Avenger called um, uh, Gilgamesh. Ah. Because that's a very similar costume to that. But I was wrong. And I'm I'm just, (laughs) I mean, I'm a little reticent because I just think there's been some, I've seen some wonderful actors play villains in a lot of movies recently in a lot of good franchises and it just hasn't held up. And Mm. I just love Jake. I just want him to do well. (laughs) So we'll see if he can pull it off. I feel like he can. So we see some other, obviously, the budding romance between Spidey and MJ. MJ, yes. All those favourite characters are there. His best friend Ned reappears again because it's a school trip. I mean, he's still a teenager. He's still a child. Uh, Um, Flash is still being – Flash Thompson is still being – is that right? No, Flash, anyway, he's he's still being a pain. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) So I think that it looks like it's going to be sort of in the similar tone to Homecoming. Good. That was my vibe. And also, you know, it's a good sort of – stepping up point for him to to do some of his own stuff. Gee, they're going to be pushing it to make um, Mysterio as good a villain in his own way as the Vulture was in Homecoming because that was a a lesson on how to make a great villain. But then I like that because this is directed by the same fellow Mm. and so hopefully his approach to the villain in this will be similar. Mm. Um, So, yeah, teaser trailer, check it out. Spider-Man Far From Home has just dropped. Um, I'm excited. We've only got to wait till the middle of the year too. No, so, but we get Captain Marvel and Avengers Endgame. Oh, we've got so between. much to keep us busy. Yeah, and Hellboy and oh, I saw the trailer for that in the weekend. The new oh, Hellboy. Oh, it looks great. Oh, I'm just thinking this is this is right. Yeah, okay. perfect. I'm also really looking forward to the Carmen Sandiego TV <laughs> series. As an aside, okay. <laughs> things I'm excited about. Speaking of TV, Star Trek Discovery Season 2 has mm. dropped its first episode on Netflix. Um, they've also put in um, four short treks, yes. which are salted away in the trailers and more of Netflix Discovery page section, uh, which are bloody beaut little antimatter bottlers. Um, After I was, we were just lamenting last week about featurettes and, you mm. know, no DVDs, and less extras are. and... They're, they're, they're short stories. That's great. They have the advantage of not having to muck around with that longer form where you've got to have an A and a B plot. Yep. But you can just sort of neatly nail it with their um, succinct little points. Cool. Um, they, they're, they're really clever ways of definitely backgrounding, in one case of extreme forward grounding, four characters. Ensign mm-hmm. Tilly, um, Saru, the Discovery's computer, and the flamboyantly villainous Harry Mudd. Cool. Rain Wilson directs himself in the mud story, while um, Nebula and Hugo award-winning Michael Chabon 
who co-wrote the Calypso episode about the ship's computer, and he's also on the writing staff of the new Star Trek spin-off series about Jean-Luc Picard. Uh, so very, very worth catching up. And you mm. can actually watch them after um, you see the first episode or before. It doesn't matter. Okay, cool. There is one plot point that might make a little bit of difference, but it doesn't matter. It's sort of additional stuff yeah. in its purest sense. Well worth watching. And it makes you wonder, uh, it makes you actually yearn for the anthology series that Discovery was originally going to be. Interesting. But isn't. Um, Anthology's very hot right now. Yes. Discovery Season 2 is set about um, 10 years before... Uh, the original classic Star Trek series, mm-hmm. which requires a little bit of technological jiggery-pokery in your head looking at the aesthetics of it all. But that's all right. It works for me. I can just go, um, it's a fashion. Mm-hmm. It's like art It's like um, Art Deco following uh, Art Nouveau. That's how I work it, and it works for me. <laughs> We've got all of, most of the surviving cast returning. Even some of the people who got killed off will have cameos. Excellent. Uh, the showrunners are pretty much the... Um, the same now, uh, I think. Oh, no. Uh, you do, 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 you know, co-creator Alex Kurtzman is still one of the showrunners anyway. Um, there's going to be 14 episodes of this second season. <coughs> the first one uh, picks up on some... Th- Actually, I'm not going to go into the plot of this one this week because it's so fresh that people might not have... Um, We'll yeah. do the same thing as we did with the Doctor Who yeah. ones. Yeah, we'll do. And because these week. are a one week per episode type of deal, isn't it? Yes. So, yes, it's nice. dro- dro- dropping the same way. Uh, I look. I love this um, first episode of the second season. There's action. There's. There, I was going to say there's action. There's romance. <laughs> Not so much of that. Uh, there's some great. There's just action. Guest, <laughs> okay. guest, guest characters. Um, Captain Pike, played by Anson Melt. Uh, he's great. He's, okay. It really works so well. That uh, We've got Sarek and Amanda, Spock's parents. We've mm-hmm. got a very young Spock in this one. Ensign Tilly is once again a delight with her infectious geeking out over just about everything and an enthusiasm. We're seeing poor, the poor old chief engineer, the Discovery, still grieving from the death of his partner, foully done to death by the <laughs> Klingon spy. Well... Michael Berman, once again, with a professional confidence, overconfidence <laughs> and tendency to lecture other captains. Uh, oh, it's just a, a great little story. Yeah, nice. And, and um, we will go f- there further. And again, I'm, I'm running into the same problem there with The Punisher Season 2. Mm. Watch the first episode of that. Uh, again, on Netflix. Um, and you have to carry the right mood to watch The Punisher series. And that mood is bleak nihilism. With every kind of now and then you get like ironic chivalry a little light yeah shining through frank actually frank castle kills maybe five fictional folks before the opening credits in the punisher season two so i think it's good that they decide to mellow out the character for the second season (laughs) (laughs) much bigger body count expected and in fact included in this episode (laughs) so have a check of those and i might um go through them a little bit more next week because i don't want to spoil anything too too much All right, well, that's about it for Zero G for today. What are we going to go out with as a track? Um, uh, Track, um, yes, it's called uh, um, Live and Live and Die. Mm -hmm. It's by Zai (laughs) Uh, or Sai actually, and um, it's from that Godzilla movie we were talking about last week. Oh yeah. I thought I want to track down the from some anime. of that. So it kind of fits in nicely as an end track for Zero G because it's your typical uh, Japanese anime song. 
Excellent. At the end of the episode. Love it. And coming up next, we've got Michael, who's standing in for Joe Brenatic, again with Astral Glamour. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, Rob. And enjoy your holiday off next week, Megan. Yes, I will. Long weekend. Mm -hmm. So I'll be out and about uh, pursuing genre content to discuss the Mm. week after. And everybody else out there, too, uh, uh, have a great um, long weekend uh, because, um, well, it is, of course, Invasion of Australia Day as well. So that's not quite so enjoyable for no, a lot of people. But, um, but a whole a long weekend just yep. by itself, fine. We can celebrate that aspect. <laughs> yes, because yeah. that is actually uh, pretty much iconic Australian to have a long weekend. All right, that's it for Zero G for today. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.